Hello. Hi. Hey, oh. I'm yeah. Grace. <laughs> I'm Madeline. And I am Patrick. And we're Dragon Babies plus Dragon Baby Brother. Dragon Babies. Special guest. Yeah, this is a mini episode um, where we're going to discuss the 1987 film adaptation of The Princess Bride. Yeah. One of my favorite films as a small child. Me too. I While we were watching it last night, I, I've i seen that movie like a hundred so times. So many times. Yeah. I cited that figure as well. <laughs> I was going to the kitchen to get something and... I was like, oh, I'll pause it. No, oh, there's no reason to pause it. There's no reason. <laughs> I could probably recite this entire film. Uh, so if you're new to the podcast, if this is your first episode, we typically cover YA fantasy. We discuss our favorite YA fantasy classics and why they're maybe even better for adults. Mm. So if you haven't checked us out, start with our Princess Bride book episode. We like to do these mini episodes from time to time when there's some kind of special tie-in to a book that we've recently covered. It's, it's universally been either a really amazing film adaptation or just an impressively horrible one. Never-ending story. <laughs> yeah, we have a really fun, we think, never-ending <laughs> never story movie and cartoon uh, episode. So yeah, I won't go into detail about that here. Just check it out if that's interesting at all to you. Um, and today we're just going to dive right into discussing this film adaptation. So I'd like to talk a little bit about how it diverges from the book. Um, I know that Pat... You haven't read the book, I have not. but we brought Patrick in because we have a shared history with this film, and it was very important to all three of us when and we were because young. Because Patrick is really cool. That's right. So welcome. ice cool guy. Ice cool guy. That's how I describe him. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long had it been since either of you had watched this movie? Uh, a lot of eyes to the ceiling. I right now. probably haven't seen this movie since the last time I watched it with one of you guys. I was just about to say, like, I'm wondering. I can't remember if I ever watched this in high school or college. I think right. it's been years and years. Yeah. With was there anything that stood out to you as an adult rewatching, as opposed to when you were a kid watching it for the first hundred times? So, for some reason, I never really picked up on the fact that Fezzik and Anigo were rhyming with each other when I was a kid. Really, I just thought they were like you know just making little remarks to each other and being silly because they were friends. I didn't notice that oh, they were that it was a rhyming game. Other. I. I had a really difficult time noticing rhymes when I was little. We would literally have books that were in iambic pentameter, and I wouldn't realize until halfway through and be like, oh, they're rhymes. That's really interesting. I wonder if there's some specific reason that Face certain blindness. people... Yeah, exactly. Rhyme, rhyme blindness. Rhyme blindness. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a an extended conceit in the book that Fezzik and Inigo have a rhyming game that they carry on with one another to like help each other feel less anxious. And it's kind of Fezzik's thing because he's sort of trapped in childhood since he was forced to start fighting from a very young age. Mm -hmm. It's sad. No, that was what I noticed. I had forgotten how mean Vicini is to <laughs> Fessick and Inigo. Which is right from the book. Like, his dialogue is lifted right from the book. He's so horrible, and... Nick Nick was like, he won't stop shouting. <laughs> he just screams <laughs> like, all the time. <laughs> and then the moments, you can tell when he's supposed to be, like, quote-unquote, speaking at a normal volume and then when he actually is screaming yeah. something like 
see? Yeah. The glyphs of insanity. The glyphs of insanity. Or <laughs> my parents. I so like, never go up against a Sicilian when death is on the line. Wallace Shawn is a treasure. Yeah. I beyond delighted that he was in this film. Um, what about you, Pat? We'll also say, just from like a filmmaking perspective, um, the set design. Was actually very colorful, very like lovingly put I was together. Like so impressed with honestly, the sets and the scenery and the costuming. A lot and the of props. effort put into all of that because this movie's how old? It's my age. It came out the year I was born, so, so yeah, it's thirty-one years. I mean, old. just visually, it's still a very gorgeous-looking film. I was very impressed with that. I thought it was a love letter to practical effects. Yeah. Totally. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so fun to have something like the R.O.U.S., which is so clearly <laughs> a person. <laughs> yeah, like just a dude oh in a rodent crawling around on the ground. Um, and it makes it so much funnier when the R.O.U.S. dies in his little limb. The disgusting tongue that flops out of the mouth when Wesley is wrestling it. Yeah. And the way the music times with like the sword stabs that he's stabbing. I love that. (laughs) That is, yeah, no, that is great. That is great. Yeah. So my two big takeaways, one was that we watched the HD version of this on Amazon prime and it was gorgeous. Like, I think we watched that one too. I I couldn't believe it was so like, this is beautiful and amazing. No, I couldn't believe how good it looked. And I think what they did so well with the, um, just visual effects and the scenery in general was heightening everything to the point of fantasy and fairy tale mm-hmm. um, so that it does look a little over the top, but they did it in the perfect way. It's kind of on par with uh, Peter Jackson heightening all the greens and blues when they're in the Shire and the Lord oh, of the Rings movies, where when okay. you look at the background, you're like, this isn't real. Nothing looks like this, but it's appropriate for mm-hmm. this story. Yeah, for the yeah, it looked really incredible. I was very, very impressed by how well it's held up. Yeah. Um, and I just, I thought the costuming was so good. Yeah. Like, I was really impressed by it. Yeah, everything visual. I saw one of Buttercup's mm-hmm. dresses at the Mopop. Yeah, they're, right? they're, um, oh, it's probably like that medieval exhibit. Well, there's a, I think, permanent exhibit that they have, um, or at least it's been there for years, uh, that is costumes from a really popular, right. um, fantasy sci fi movies. And they had like one of Buttercup's dresses, they had Wesley's costume, mm. I think, um, Although Wesley's and, um, they, they had quite a few things from like Wizard of Oz. It's like a daredevil from the first season of the Netflix show. It was appropriate. No, I know. I just I like. He's a pirate. <laughs> he has no time for faff. <laughs> pirate, but make it fashion. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my other takeaway yeah, was this is probably because we just reread the book, but. I just was really keyed into the satire that permeates mm, the entire movie. Yeah, like, which I never had been before. Because when you're young, you take everything at face value. Right. You're not thinking like, oh, is this a commentary on something? You're just right. like, you're just oh, like, yeah. yay. <laughs> and I remember seeing this movie for the first time when I was young and being so overjoyed because it was like so strange. And we were all pretty invested in seeking out odd things that yeah. made us feel like that resonated with us because we were odd mm. children. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and it still does have its own delightful weirdness, but now I see how much of that weirdness is from the book. A, and also specifically a joke about the genre. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, yeah. just, it's a self-aware movie. Especially down to the fact yeah. that whenever there's trouble, Buttercup is just like standing in the background like, oh, oh. She oh, is you know. useless. She's useless. Useless. Yeah. Oh my God. She's just useless. Yeah. It's a shame because the 
book Buttercup is more interesting yeah. than movie Buttercup, mm-hmm. who we learn actually nothing yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Um, we get the scene where uh, at the very end of her moving to the castle, mm-hmm. the narrator just says, and her one joy was her daily ride. Right. Um, yeah. Whereas in the book, there's like a, a chapter about her growing up and yeah. her horse named Horace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. Exactly. Um, what was your other takeaway? Uh, I was way more upset by the violent parts than I was when I was a really? kid. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's like because... what specifically? All of the the fights and stuff. Yeah, and like Wesley being tortured. Like I couldn't watch it. I watched like the corner of the screen <laughs> while he was being tortured because they didn't. Not to fifty. <laughs> I like. I really don't know what that will do to you. I have found that as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at dealing with some sadnesses, but then others uh, are more painful for me. I don't know, maybe because I studied international human rights and genocide that I just get like, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I got I got more upset about especially the torture than I ever did when I was young. I have to say, I was actually really um, impressed with that torture device. It was like the opposite of that breakfast-making machine in the beginning of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> like, it's like how like, the <laughs> contraptions parts start moving together in this ridiculous way. What an excellent parallel. <laughs> I mean, I love a Rube Goldberg <laughs> device in any situation. My favorite is always the one from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, um, which is also a breakfast making (laughs) device. I think of the one, I think it's Back to the Future, right? Which is also, Uh, it's a breakfast making. (laughs) (laughs) Why won't people just make breakfast themselves? I guess guess this is like humankind's ultimate fantasy is a robot that makes breakfast for you. Amazing. (laughs) It's just like eggs and toast and but the no is just so yeah. fantastic. No matter where uh, you come from, you just want a good breakfast robot. Were there new parts that you appreciated more? Like, was there, do you have a new favorite part of the movie watching it as an adult compared to when you're a kid? You have to think about it because I enjoyed the whole thing so much. Well, yeah. I mean, and it's funny because there's also, so I think I put it more in context watching it. Like there were a lot of moments where I was like, this is so Monty Python, Mm. which I had never Mm -hmm. really put together when I was a kid. A lot of it. So this is a moment that I found hilarious watching last night, but that I didn't even really like notice when I was a kid. It's the, it's the 60 guards outside the single entrance to the (laughs) castle (laughs) because they're all just standing there looking around like, uh, what are we doing? And there's like this hu- this huge group of men just standing there doing nothing. Yeah, especially yeah. as Fezig and Inigo and Wesley are just like staring at them from the parapet directly across, and mm-hmm. like the guards can't even be Aren't bothered to notice. Straight ahead, yeah. the one, the only people who are actually trying to intrude. And yeah. that moment felt really Monty Python to me. It's like. 30 guards isn't enough. Big at 60. <laughs> it's just like all these extras standing there. Like okay. it's such a good yeah, visual no, joke totally. that I had never You're really right. paid You're attention right. to. Yeah. I think that for me, I appreciated like the actors so much. Like when I was a kid, it was just like, oh, Wesley and Inigo and Fezzik. And this time I was just like, 
I loved everything with Andre the Giant in it, like every single one of his lines. Just I such was an just like, character. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Inigo made me laugh, like with everything that he said, especially when he's like super drunk and he's like, I just adore the superb earnestness of his performance. Well, yeah, and it's also so. I would say of like the acting acumen of the main cast. Um, Mandy Patinkin, who plays Inigo, and then mm-hmm. Wallace Shawn, who plays Vizzini, are yeah. like the most yeah. um, tr- the be- most trained actors, um, sure. most experienced mm-hmm. actors. Like they're both, uh, they've both done sh- a lot of Shakespeare, right, right, um, mm-hmm. and uh, are incredibly, incredibly talented. Yeah, and something like Inigo's, like his little moments of his quiet monologues that he has mm-hmm. when he's talking about like yeah. the six-fingered man and stuff it's mm-hmm. so beautiful watching him do it uh, but he also heightens everything in a really fun way like i just love his line i'm waiting for you Mazzini. <laughs> like i feel like that all the time in a way that i don't even know how to express <laughs> and then followed by um fezzig putting <laughs> just like smashing his water. entire face in the hot water yes! and then the cold water yes! That's enough. Wake yeah, up. <laughs> or like, I really appreciated the genuine friendship that mm. Inigo and Fezzik have in the movie too. Like in yeah, that we moment. We talked about this a lot in her book episode. When, the friendship is so touching. Yeah. Like when he, he grabs him when he's like drunk and the brute squad guy is trying to get rid of him. And then he, like Inigo puts his hand in Fezzik's giant hand and it's like, wait, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And then last thing is, um, no, several things about Wesley. I found it difficult to look directly at him because he's like so pretty. Like he's, he's a bishonen. Like his features are so soft. And yeah, and like he just I think that Wesley is more beautiful than Buttercup, really. Like he's just like so He's pretty. very pretty. How old yeah. is he? When, that He's got to be really young like, in this movie, Car- right? So also, we mi- I've been mispronouncing his name my whole life. I finally Elwes. Elwes. Oh yeah. dear, it is. It's Elwes. Why? Yeah, why have we correct. been saying Yule? I know it's it's yeah. Okay, we have a difficult Carrie to pronounce Elwes. last name, so I feel like sometimes I overcompensate Carrie with other Yules. last names. It's just like Channing Tatum. I I saw. Oh my God, I'm not going into that with you. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an AMA that Carrie always did and he said it just pronounce it like Elvis but with a W. Oh. Well, that's easy to remember. Yeah. Um, so anyways, so, Carrie Yules. <laughs> Carrie Yules. <laughs> um, it, he's like a, a human Barbie doll. Like he's just, yeah. So anyways, I won't and keep Madeline going at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Madeline mentioned in her book episode that he was her first like crush? Yes. Yeah. Princess Definitely. Pride. Definitely. He was Carrie my Elvis. first crush. Um, and then something, sorry, I'll, I'll let you talk as much as you want. I have to say one more thing. About he w- and he was 25 when they made oh, I movie. thought he was like 18. He seems so, okay. And part of the reason I say this is because I also appreciated how gonzo his physicality was mm-hmm. like when he's dead like there's one scene where Fezzik is dragging him down the hallway like if his shoulder looks dislocated I love the way that. that he's like just hanging, hanging there yeah. I, I, I also being, like, noticed that he's so young to be able to put up with this bodily just abuse dragged along by the shoulder by Andre yeah. the Giant yes it, it really yeah. looks like he is just carrying a little doll of a person yeah. and a lot of the 
like fight moments and effects and stuff, they were actually using the actors. Right. And you can tell. Yeah. And I think from watching Lord of the Rings a million billion times, yeah. I'm really you can tell. I'm really tuned in to when it's an, a double yeah. mm-hmm. um, or someone yeah wearing like a weird photo mask. <laughs> And well, especially when they first bring him back and he's like, you know, trying so hard to move and Mm -hmm. like making gestures with his head and everything. Mm -hmm. I found that so impressive. Like he really committed to that performance in an awesome way. And then especially when Fezzik puts his hand on him and he's like nodding, you know, like moving him back and forth and then Mm -hmm. like making him nod. It was just, I laughed. You can really tell that this was the movie where he keyed into the type of character that just made the most sense for him Mm. because he has that like dashing um, fairy tale movie lead look, but then Mm -hmm. he's also really, really funny and sarcastic and dry. Yeah. And I don't know if either of you have seen Robin Hood Men in Tights. No, but I'm about to. I saw it once a few years ago. Okay. Uh, Because I saw that when I was like 13 and he's basically playing the same character. (laughs) It's really fun. Well, if it works, it works. And that movie is just totally over the top. Is that Uh, about John Cleese in it? No, no, it's a Mel Brooks movie. Yeah, okay. I'm thinking um, of a different one where John Cleese is a Robin Hood type character. Larry David's friend in Curb Your Enthusiasm. One of them isn't it? He plays a uh, Prince John. He has so many friends. Okay, Patrick. Richard now Lewis. You, Richard I just, Lewis is in it. Patrick, what about you? I will just say on the topic of Carrie Elwes, I just appreciate that his star turn in Saw was just around the corner. Only a few years. Patrick away. keeps saying this. I don't know what he's talking about. I'm never I'm going to relate to you. Sad. Saw. I'm never going to see <laughs> any of the that. Saw films. <laughs> anyway, and he's in one, right? And briefly in another one, but I won't spoil it. How can anyone be in multiple Saw movies? Because don't they dies. all just die? I'm not going to spoil oh it. You have to watch. <laughs> There's more to Saw. You have to watch <laughs> the original died. seven Saw films to find out. Gee, no. And anyway, I would rather die. <laughs> at any rate, I will say my. I mean the. The Miracle Max scene remains my favorite scene in the entire film. Just like when it's I was pretty a kid, great. watching yeah. him and his wife play, bicker with each other, it was just fantastic. I when we were watching that, my boyfriend who um, and I say this with love, we think has face blindness and just really a touch of the face, some blindness. of it. He really <laughs> struggles to identify anyone. And when Carol Kane came on screen, even in all that heavy makeup, he was like, "I know her." And I was like, how, what, how do you know her? And I thought about it for a minute and I was like, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. That oh, is how you know who she is. And he was immediately because like, she does yes. like the same voice. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it, that, it's like, that's her that's as an so actually funny. older woman. Yeah. <laughs> Not uh, what she's really made up funny. to be in 1987. She's great. And then beyond that, another favorite moment from this watch is when, Indigo is trying to kick down the door and he's calling for Fezzik's help and Fezzik really quickly just <laughs> gently tucks Wesley into the suit of armor. Yes. He's like, just wait here a moment. Yes. So cute. It is. There's so much um, about that setting that I didn't appreciate as much when I was a kid too. Like all the endless hallways yeah, and castles. everyone getting yeah. confused and lost and like the guards running this way and then mm-hmm. this way. Yeah. That's That also felt very like slapsticky Monty Python to me. And I did really enjoy the Count dying as well. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great scene. It's made more. I mean, let's let's use this as a segue to talk a little bit more about the book movie comparison. Um, but it's made more impressive in the movie. Like it's more sudden. His death. There's mm-hmm. less back and forth. But it, it the scene goes on quite a bit longer in the book. Yeah, um, yeah. Of no, Inigo trying to kill the count and sustaining various injuries. Um, and I just God, 
I love Mandy Patinkin. He just kills it. He just kills it. He really does. Yeah. Um, even even the guys who played um, Prince Humperdinck in The Count, they were perfect. Oh, they yeah. were perfect. Prince Humperdinck was fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played by Chris Sarandon. He just um, has the face to play a, a rich, a pompous. white jerk. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's really funny, and I appreciated his performance more, yeah. too, um, because it's subtler than uh, mm-hmm. the other bigger, more fantasy characters, and like yeah. who's going to get excited about the evil prince when mm-hmm. you're a kid, but he's really funny, and just yeah. the, like when he gets insulted by Wesley, and he like reels, Maybe the first time a man has dared insult me. It's really, really funny. And Christopher Guest as the Count is like such a good performance. Mm-hmm. I'm so used to seeing him in his own movies, like Best in Show mm. and Waiting for Guffman, where he's playing these like super over the top characters. Mm. So to see him totally well, reined in, yeah, yeah, and playing someone who just loves pain, um, yeah. <laughs> Whole different, uh, whole different experience. I also yeah. loved when Fezzik, um, where Inigo says, Fezzik, jog his memory. And then he conks him out and he's like, I jogged him too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also, I think in general, like I understood some of the lines better as an adult. I think oh, when I you're a kid, ma- if you... I just made up what I thought Fezzik was saying when I was a kid. Yeah, in a lot of, like, well, yeah, Fezzik, yeah. but then also like a lot of Wesley's lines that are kind of like muttered. Like there were d- different moments that I had never known what yeah. they were actually saying yeah. until last night. And that's also paired with having just read the book. And, and all I the also dialogue watched is taken. it with the subtitles on. <laughs> that uh, helps I'll, you I'll take you both together. Where's Buttercup? So in terms of book to movie, like the way this adaptation was handled, I said this during our book episode, but I do feel like the movie is the best parts of the book and that the book is a pretend best parts of an abridged book by S. Morgenstern. Um, I, I even thought Fred Savage did a good job. Yeah, I mean, he's he was a great child actor. Just a super cute little he's kid. So cute. And like him Which I never him. thought when I was a child, but now that I'm a woman and I see him, like, mm-hmm. I just have, like, squish that kid urge. <laughs> he's really cute. And having him in a very Chicago-oriented bedroom with all the his, yeah. like, team yeah. banners and totally. uh, just the vibe outside the window when the mom opens it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it feels like the Chicago suburbs in the yeah. wintertime. Um, the mom has a very cozy. mullet. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> her hair is aggressive mullet. I know that scene really screams just eighties. Yeah. Um, so the big change was taking out the extra framing device of having the abridgment present, mm-hmm. um, but then they turned William Goldman's father reading the book to him into an anonymous boy mm-hmm. having his grandfather read the book to him. But then from that, everything else stayed. Pretty true. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, this is very specific, but I do wish that they had kept in the zoo of death, which is what, um, it's like the expanded version of the pit of despair. Yeah. Um, where the prince has all of his finds that he's hunted and captured mm-hmm. and kept alive so that he can like murder them with his bare hands. Yeah. Um, and there are multiple levels to it that get increasingly more dangerous and Fezzig and Inigo go through the entire thing mm-hmm. to try to find Wesley. And it's very funny. Yeah. 
not Maybe very not scary. Quite in the budget for that time period. It would have been like impossible <laughs> to film. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. They probably. I mean, even even the eels. They worked because they were underwater, yeah. and they still only kind of worked. I thought it was interesting that they change it from sharks in the book to shrieking eels in the movie. I think that they probably did that so that they didn't have to do the blood thing. Yeah, probably probably that. And mm-hmm. also the eels are just funnier. Like, the eel yeah. coming toward her with its little painted on I know. <laughs> like, eh. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just a better effect, That's and I think shrieking I think shrieking eels are mentioned at some other point in the book, so it's yeah. not like they made them mm-hmm. up entirely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's this is maybe like the truest adaptation I've seen ever. I don't think right? anything even down to like maybe a couple lines of dialogue were invented for the movie, but beyond that, it's really just pulled from the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. And it's also so fun to see how a lot of the scenes that are amazing to read, like the picnic scene, for example, um, can be even better in a visual medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. I'll, I'll always love the picnic scene, just like the way that Vizzini's frenzy intensifies as it goes on and then ending with Wallace Shawn doing his little like giggle to himself after he switches the glasses. I know, I love that. I, that was- I switched the glasses when you weren't looking. <laughs> and then he dies mid, mid shrieking laugh. It's I perfect. love how in the credits and they're like showing, you know, all the different characters and like the actors who played them the in that reel it shows um Mazzini just keeling over dead. I know. That's <laughs> the end of credits reel. Uh, yeah, it's great. It really is. And I think the the type of humor in the movie, even though I've mentioned Monty Python a few times, it is really unique to the source material, mm-hmm. I would say. Like, there really weren't other movies quite like it, yeah. even though it has a lot of, um, like, I had feelings from other 80s movies, like Labyrinth. I had some Labyrinth sure, totally. moments. Especially when they're in the swamp. Yeah, the whole swamp, it, it just is them in mm-hmm. the labyrinth. I was waiting for the little fire creatures to pop up and start singing. Um, <laughs> and uh, but, but it's still, yeah, it's still very true to itself, and I really appreciate that. I wish there were more movies like this, but you can tell that it's just a one-time magical moment that mm-hmm. w- was really born of the source material. And it's interesting that I do think I don't know, you can argue what William Goldman's legacy is, but like the same person who wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, yeah. um, I I feel like is better known at this point for The Princess Bride. Because um, it's become such a cult classic. And it's just so its own unique being. It's so great. Like Butch Cassidy is also a great movie that has a lot of wonderful humor and it's, yeah. um, it's weird in its own fun way, even though you go into it thinking like, I know, I'm just going to tell you about it now. So So you're going to have to listen to me. (laughs) Tell us about Voltaire, Grace. (laughs) Go back to our book episode. Madeline Madeline got got really upset. (laughs) I think William Goldman is a very talented person who managed to bring to the mainstream some of his own weirdness Mm -hmm. and anyone who does that I really really appreciate because it's something like finding the princess bride when we were young and we were looking for weird things to enjoy Mm -hmm, Um, it's really validating and also really formative I mean I I'm amazed that um 
I, I still laugh as much oh my gosh, as I yeah. do watching the movie for something today. that I've seen a hundred times or something like the wedding scene, which oh, I so <laughs> like. That's I was so I know great. exactly what's going to happen, but the moment that the priest opens his mouth, like oh, I just I just up. burst out laughing. I there's no. There's no way not to. In yeah, the way he seems so wounded when uh, Humperdinck is like, man and wife. Man and wife. Man and wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just so good. Yeah. And one thing that mom said to me, which is funny because mom hasn't read the book, but she mm-hmm. listened to our podcast episode about it. And she was like, it's really interesting because I just thought that Rob Reiner was an absurdist genius for putting this movie together. And I was like, I, I still think that he deserves a lot of credit, oh, yeah. though. Like, he does an amazing job. But yeah, he didn't. I mean, it's mostly lifted directly from the book. <laughs> totally. And I mean, also, it's important, like, everyone who championed this book and made this movie happen deserves respect. And like, every single actor. Uh, a good job. And I noticed that... Um, Norman Lear, who was an executive producer on it, which is crazy. Um, who, who is that? Oh, he was just a like a huge television producer um, in the seventies, and he wanted to make it happen. Like he he created All in the Family, The Jeffersons, Good Times. Like, oh, yeah, he uh, was he was very like zeitgeist mainstream. Yeah, um, and the fact that he stepped in was like, yeah, we should we should create this is really cool. Cool. Um, yeah. yeah. So I I I really appreciate Rob Reiner for that. And Rob Reiner's career has like, yeah, been. I mean, he's done so much yeah. and like a wide range of really good projects. It and is true. Like less good projects and just um, all kinds of stuff. He has not been afraid to take chances. It's so funny to think about him making this movie and like having Billy Crystal in that role and then being like, you know what I see him as a romantic lead. Let's make one Harry met Sally. It is. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> quite, quite a range there. Really, really funny. Does anyone have any closing thoughts, any lingering princess bride sentiments you want to share with the world? It really does make the best movies when everyone in the cast is friends with each other. Chemistry is palpable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think you can also, <laughs> it looks so cold <laughs> the whole time they're filming. Like, there are a lot of scenes where you can see their breath, and like, it doesn't make sense that you can see their breath. Um, okay, Grace definitely watched the <laughs> HD versions. Uh, I do not know what she is talking about. <laughs> no, I'm just, I felt like I was just thinking of them all there in the cold together. And I read a story when I was doing research for the book episode about, um, Robin Wright talking about Andre the Giant and saying that it was absolutely freezing during this one scene they were mm. filming and he would just like put his hands on her head to warm her oh. because they fit like perfectly around it and she was in you know like her little costumes her right. dresses and yeah. stuff and was just like totally frigid yeah I bet um, that he generated a lot of heat <laughs> yeah, she said like he was just so hot all the time and yeah. there was nothing he could do with that so oh, that's really funny yeah yeah so I don't know I think it also just gives me touches of Lord of the Rings watching it yeah. now yeah um, I think so just like the settings and the camaraderie yeah, yeah. The, ca- mm-hmm. the cast clearly like enjoying the process yeah. um, and creating something really new and special mm-hmm. um, yeah. so that's always gonna resonate with me Well, I think that's it for the Princess Bride movie mini episode. 
Um, episode. Thank you so much, Patrick, for joining us. Well, thank you it for having me. It was great to have you, and we. It's great to be had. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we're pulling a long con on you. <laughs> I've been had. <laughs> ah. Um, yeah, and you're welcome to return anytime if you'd like to read a book or more likely watch a movie. Watch a movie. Read a book, Patrick. <laughs> watch, watch a movie. <laughs> I don't mean that as a diss. I'm just I, saying I realistically understand. No, I understand. when we might be able to expect you back. Um, yeah, so if you enjoyed this, please uh, check out the rest of our podcast. Um, we have other movie mini episodes on the Wrinkle in Time adaptation that came out last year on the Neverending Story film. Spoiler alert, we did not like it. Uh, so did if not you really like it, maybe don't watch that episode. No. Um, How's Movie Castle? We did a special. We saw a play of that one, actually. Yes, yeah, we have an episode. Did about we even do the movie or was it just the, that play? Uh, no, we didn't do the movie. It's yeah. just the play. It was a very good play. <laughs> and we have a Black Cauldron cartoon oh, episode yeah. as well. Um, did which we watch also... that? Oh, we did. Yeah. We did. Okay, yeah. I assume, boy, <laughs> you are the keeper of this oracular pig. <laughs> yeah, we almost lost our minds, but we, yeah. did, we did rewatch it. Yeah. Disnified Gurgi. Oh my god, Gurgi. Yeah, I just, you know, now that Disney is making um, live action versions of all of their most beloved classics, why not go for their least beloved films? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Live yeah. Action like, like the They'll get the there. Spare. No, they're reaching, they're not going to keep making like new ideas. At this point, they're, they're done with that, I feel like. Or we have uh, many other episodes on books, which is the actual intent of the podcast. So <laughs> take your pick. Um, Please enjoy. If you want to get in touch with us, want to share your own thoughts on the Princess Bride book or movie, you can contact us at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com on our website, dragonbabiespodcast.com, on Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast, or on Twitter at dragonbabiespod. You Don't got, forget to like and subscribe. Do you have any self-promotion, Patrick, of Absolutely any kind? None. <laughs> he has an Instagram with like five followers. <laughs> But he no, never he doesn't it. go on it. Yeah, don't make it sound I, like he people no, don't want to follow him. No, because I'm always like, Patrick, you should go on Instagram. You should look at no. pictures of my cats. And he's like, Bleh. I got an Instagram because you forced me to, but you can't force me to use it. And on that note, <laughs> um, I'm Grace. I'm Madeline. I'm Patrick. Until next time. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>